this is it. This is it. So if you didn't get the, if you didn't get next level, if you haven't been here for any of the weeks, you're okay. I'm gonna catch you guys up on all four love all four weeks. I brought a ladder with me this week. I brought it with me every week. This is the last week. I'm gonna kind of miss this guy. She, she, I'm gonna miss, I'm gonna miss my ladder because I think sometimes we need props, like Jesus used props to kind of remind us of some things. But hopefully, when every time you see a ladder from now on, you're gonna think about next level. Jesus wants to take you to the next level. God wants to take you to the next level. Every single one of us in here today. And he doesn't need a ladder to take us there. I'm so thankful for a God that we have. A God doesn't need a ladder to take us to the next level. He can make us levitate because he can levitate because he's God. But God wants to take you to the next level. Every single person in here today, God wants to take you to the next level. We looked at a guy by the name of Jacob. And Jacob's story was simple. Jacob's story was just a lot like your and I's. He, we were, he was born. He had an opportunity to do right. And he chose wrong. We all have that opportunity. We have the opportunity to do right or wrong. Everybody gets the opportunity. Jacob chose wrong. And Jacob stole from his brother and he went on the run. He went on the run, and he, and he took off for 20 years. 20 years, gone. Taken off, gone. Well, he decides he's going to kill back. He decided that God wants to, he realized that God wants to take him to the next level. And God tells Jacob, hey, Jacob, you got to go back. Sometimes if you're going to go forward, you got you to go back. I don't know if you guys know that, but sometimes if you're going to go forward, you have to, you have to go back and, and check, on, check on something. So he sends him back, and he goes, hey, I want, you to, I want you to go back. And he did that through a form of a, a wrestling match. Jacob gets into a wrestling match with God, and he didn't even see him, but he's like, God, you need to bless me, God. He's like, all right, you need to bless me. And what's your name? Like, these don't even know it's dark. These guys are going back and forth. They're fighting each other, and they don't know who each other is. But that day, Jacob left change. Jacob got a new name that day. He got a new walk. God touched his hip. He couldn't walk the same ever again. He got a new walk. He got a new talk. He got a new behavior. His life was changed forever. And then he meets his brother. We see him run into his brother. So not only does God want to take us to the next level, here's what we realize with, with Jacob's story is that God has more for you at the next level. God has more for you at the next level. God has more for me at the next level. I'm going to show you a video in a few moments, not right now, but there's a, I'm going to show you a video of some guys that, that God has taken to the next level, and God wants to take you to the next level. Every single person in here, God wants to take you to the next level. But the problem I think that's problematic for all of us in here today, a lot of us think for us to go to the next level, God's going to want something from, God's going to want something from me. What I would suggest to you today and beg you to understand is that God has so much more for you at the next level. And you got to go there. He, he wants you to go there. You're, you're invited in on the journey to go to the next level. So Jacob, as we're, as we're going, we, we find Jacob, he gets into this fight, fighting match. And then he goes back to see his brother. And he meets his brother. And, and one of the things that we learned about what God has for, at, at the next level, we had the ladder up. But God, there's a, there's a path to the next level. There's a pathway. Some of us are trying to figure out where to go, what to do, what to say. When you go to the next level, God will do that. God's the path for you. Some of you guys, you, you need some things. And we all need some things. And God wants you to know at the next level, there's, there's, there's provision at the next level. There's provision at the next level. And God wants for some of us in here today to realize that he, he can provide for us. He can, he can provide for us. Not only is there, there, there's, there's, pro, there's progress at the next level. We all want to progress. None of us want to go backwards. We want to go, we want to go forward. There, we, want to, we want to progress. And there's provision. And there's, there's people. There's some really, really good people at the next level. But the problem is that on the, on the path that we're on, that we're like, man, we, we've been hurt by people, so we're not sure we can trust the fact that there's, a, that there's better people. There's some better people out there. God's got some people that he wants to put in your life that's going to take you and help you along your journey on the, on the next level. And I learned, we learned this also. There's peace at the next level. There's peace at the next level. There's so much for you at the next level. And the last week we looked at this. You need water to get to the next level. You need water to get to the next level. You're going to get thirsty you're going to get tired, and you're going to need some water. You're going to need water to get to the next level. It's, it's a long journey, by the way. It's Jacob's, we're going to, in Jacob's story today, we're going to find Jacob's going back to where he started at. 
In the process of Jacob saying, hey, I'm going to take off, I'm going to run, he goes away as far as he can 20 years, and God says, hey, I want you to go back where you started from. This is a little free before you'd say, I think a lot of times if we would listen to God at first, we wouldn't have to go the long way around. If we listened to God the first time, we wouldn't have to go the, the, the long way around. We wouldn't have to have as many bumps and bruises and scrapes and, and cuts if we would go, if we'd be obedient the first time around. But a lot of times we're like, well, let me try to figure this out on my own, God, and I'll be obedient later. I'll be obedient I'll be obedient later. But you need water to get to the next level. And water we define as we need prayer and we need God's word. You need this word inside your life. You need this word. This is the thing that's gonna change. I got a phone call from a friend of mine this week. He's like, I'm reading John and I'm reading Psalms. Just like you said, it's gonna change you. It's gonna change you. A lady came to our church about three months ago and she said, I've read the Bible. For, uh, she, said, she got 21 days in, the, in being at her church, three weeks. And she says, I've read the Bible for 21 days ever since you said to read the Bible. She, she goes, it's starting to change me. This word will change you. If you get it in you, it'll change you. And then you gotta talk to God. What good is a relationship if you never ever talk to the person that you're in a relationship with? Just nod your head. That ain't, that ain't, that's not gonna work. That's not gonna work. If I decide to, hey, I'm not gonna talk to Diana the rest of the week, I will be in trouble. She's like, I'll just cut your tongue out so you won't be able to talk. Like, I'll be, if I don't talk to her all week long, that, what kind of relationship what kind of relationship would, would that be if I'd ever, ever, ever talked to her? Our team, our, our, our dream team, uh, Victoria is like, hey, are you okay? I'm so thankful that she checked on me this morning. She's like, hey, are you, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm good. Is it Sunday? <laughs> and uh, she, she gave me a hug and she's like, you guys, yeah, I'm, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. My mind's just kind of running, running, running around. And what good's a relationship if I never, ever talk, if we never, ever talk? And you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he wants to talk to you. He wants to spend some time talking with you. He, he can talk. By the way, God can talk. I don't know if you knew that, but God can talk. I mean, he can think. He can put the things in your mind, but he also, he also can talk. But I want to end our, our time together today with a very, very important topic. I think it's going to change and make you more like him. If you have a Bible, open up to Genesis chapter 35. Genesis chapter 35, there's a, there's a text here. Where we're going to see Jacob at the end of his life. We're going to see Jacob at the end of his life. How many of you guys know this? If you're on your deathbed, you say some, you say some wise things. You're you're probably the most helpful you can be towards the, end, towards the end of your life. And so no matter what season of life that you're in today, Jacob, we find him at the very end. We find Jacob, he, Jacob, Jacob his family's dying in this pastor story. And uh, there, there's got to be some reason why. As I'm reading this past scripture, ask yourself the question, why in the world are they giving us so many details about these people who are, who are dying? Genesis chapter 35, verse 1, the Bible says this. Then God said to Jacob, get ready and move to Bethel. And settle there and build an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. He goes, hey, I want you to, I want you to go back. I want, you to, I want you to go back. I want you to, I want you to get ready. And I, I want to encourage you in here today. Jacob, we see Jacob wrestling God, and Jacob says to God, God, I want a blessing. And we're going to find out he gets a blessing, and God says to Jacob, hey, get ready. And I just want to let you know today, like, if you're never, ever ready, then you'll never, ever get the blessing. If you're never, ever ready, then you'll never, ever get the blessing. One of the, best, one of the best postures into getting a blessing is to have your hands open. But so many people, we're holding on to what we got, our hands in our pocket. We're like, man, I don't want to, I, I got, I got, I, I'm good and I have all that I want, but we're asking for a blessing. If I tell you, I said, hey, I want to give, give you 100 bucks. If your hands are closed, I can't put the money in there. I can't put the money in there if your hands are closed. And some of you guys in your day, you want the blessing, but your hands are closed. I, I, I've told you guys this last week, the people that are the most blessed are the most generous people. People that are always given away never, ever run out of what they have. We've told you guys that in the last three or four weeks and probably in the last three years of our church, the people that are always given out, they never, ever run out. Generous people never run out of stuff. You're like, man, why don't, when are they going to run out? They, they never do. He says, I want you to get ready, and I want you to build an altar. I want, I want you to pour out your praise. 
I want you to pour out your praise. Verse 2 says, Jacob told everyone in his household, get rid of all your pagan idols. Purify yourselves and put on clean clothes. He goes, hey, man, get your heart right. Hey, Hope Church, we got to have our heart right. We got to have our heart right. Our heart's got to be pure. We got, when we come to God, we have to have a, a clean heart. D- David said this after he went through a season of his life where he was in a bad, bad season of sin. And he went to David and he, he went, David went to God and said, God, would you, would you create in me a clean heart, oh God? Psalms 51 is a psalm of repentance. Maybe today you're in a season of where you're just, you're running from God and, and you're like, man, I don't even know what to say to him. Probably a good place to start. Just go read Psalms 51 and just talk to God with Psalms 51 open. Created me a clean heart of God. Renew a right spirit with him. He cast me not away from your presence, but draw me close into you. That's what he says in Psalms 51. Man, I don't want to be close to you again. Man, I miss your, I miss your presence. Man, great, great are you, Lord. I, for, I forgot how good you are. That's what, uh, what um, Gabe said to us today, man. It's like sometimes we, we forget how good he is, and we forget that we're, we, we have the capability to go to him. We, we have the capability to go to a perfect father. doesn't make sense to you and I, but we get to go to him that way. And he goes, I want you to build an altar, purify yourselves, and you guys get, your, get, your, get yourself together. Get yourself together. By the way, the church I grew up in, they would have used that for wearing a, they would, they would use that verse to mean, mean say, you gotta put a shirt and tie on when you go to church. They would have found a way to twist that. I'm like, man, you guys twisted a lot of stuff. I was there for 18 years. You guys told me a lot of stuff that wasn't in there. I'm having to, re, I'm having to deconstruct. He goes, get ready, come clean. When God says come clean, he's not talking about your clothes. Now he's talking about clean shaven. We know beards are next to godliness. He said, hey, I want you to, I want you to, I want you to get your heart right. Get your heart prepared. I wanna, I'm gonna do something to your heart. I wanna do something in your heart. And, and by the way, God is more interested in doing something with your heart than he is to do something with, with your actions. Because if he does something with your heart, then your actions are gonna follow your heart. Because wherever your heart is, that's where your actions go. And so he says, get ready, guys. We're now going to Bethel. In my mind, I keep on hearing, we're going back to Bethel, to Bethel, to Bethel. That's what I keep on hearing in my mind. We're going back to Cali. We're going back to Bethel. If you don't know what that is, you're, you're, you're too young. We're going back to Bethel. We're going back to Bethel. We're going back to Bethel where I'm going to build an altar to God who answered my prayers when I was in distress. And if you're in a season of life right now where you feel like you're in distress, know that God always hears people who are in, who are in distress. He has been with me wherever I have gone. God's been with you wherever, wherever you've gone. In your middle of your distress, he was right there. You might not have looked to him. You might not have grabbed his arm. You might not have said, hey, I need some help. But he's always been there in the middle of your distress. So they, so, so they gave Jacob all their pagan idols. I love this about these guys. Like, hey, don't do that. All right, here's all of our pagan idols. Like, why did he ha- if you knew you shouldn't have had them, why'd you guys have those? It's like my, my son the other day, I said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm doing nothing. N-U-F-F-I-N-G. <clears throat> he goes, it was Judy. He goes, I'm doing nothing. I said, what's behind your back? Nothing. I said, well, I just saw you grab a pair of scissors and walk into that room. What are you doing? Nothing. What's behind your back? He's like, oh, these scissors. <laughs> I'm like, did we, are, we, are we having the same conversation or not? We're doing nothing. If you ever ask your kids, say, what are you doing? If, if you have to ask your kids, what are you doing? If Kids in here today, if your parents ever ask you, what are you doing? They're not asking you because they want you to tell them they already know. <laughs> they already know all the parents like nudging their kids. <laughs> like, we're glad we were not in kids' church today. Wes is talking to my kids. I'm talking to all of us in here today. If God tells you to do something, we're a lot like our three and four-year-olds or our seven-year-olds. When God tells us, hey, what are you doing? We're like, God, we're doing nothing. And God can see. It's like, it's like me playing hide-and-go-seek with you guys today and standing behind this ladder. Like, I bet you can't see me. God can see you all the time. He's always with us. The Bible says, when, he was, when you guys were in distress, I was, I was with you. So he goes, give me your pagan idols. He's like, here, here's the, here's the contraband. And he buried them under the great tree near Shechem. He's like, hey, we're going to leave these here. And if you're going to if you're go to the next level, you've got to leave some stuff behind. You're going to leave some stuff behind. And, and by the way, you might leave some people behind. It'll be better for you. Some of us are here today, we're carrying around some dead weight. Like we're trying to go somewhere, we're trying to go quick, but we just got, we got someone dragging our feet. 
we got someone pulling us down. Verse 5 says this, so they set out, as they set out, a terror from God spread over the people and all the towns of that area, so no one attacked Jacob's family. You guys, I'm sorry, there's a lot of stuff in this passage of scripture today. I want to say one more thing, and then I think I'm going to try to get through it. You don't have to fight all your battles. We have a God who wants to fight them for us. These guys heard that Jacob was going back. When they heard that Jacob was going back, God sent out, God sent out a, a, little head note, a little email saying, hey, guys, don't touch Jacob. He's coming. Don't touch him. And by the way, we're in here today, and we're trying to fight all of our battles, and Jesus wants to fight the battles. He wants to fight the battles for us. So eventually, Jacob and his household, they arrived at, at Luz. He got his crew together, and they took off. And Luz is also called Bethel in Canaan. Jacob built an altar there, and he named the place El Bethel, which means God of Bethel, because God had appeared to him when he was fleeing from his brother Esau. That's where he, that's when he was running from. God had showed up to him again, and God showed him to him again. Verse 8 says this, soon after this, Rebecca's old nurse, Deborah, died. It's weird that she's telling us that her nurse died, but it, it's in here for a reason. Her nurse, one of his wife's nurse, died. I'll tell you why in a moment. She was buried beneath the, beneath the oak tree in the valley below Bethel, Ever since, there, ever since then, the tree has been called Alon, Bacchus, which means oak of weeping. They were sad. They named it the weeping tree, the oak tree that was weeping. Verse 9, now that Jacob had returned from the Padaram, God appeared to him again at Bethel. And then God blessed him. Remember Jacob got in a wrestling match with God. He said, God, you better bless me. And here he is again. He's like, hey, here's your blessing. Verse 10 says, saying, he repeats what he happened before. Verse 10 says, saying, your name is Jacob but you'll now be called, you will not be called Jacob any longer. From now on, your name will be called Israel. So God renamed, re, renamed him Israel. Then God said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply, multiply. Listen to this. If you have kids in here today, or if you want to have kids one day, or if you are a kid, which basically makes everybody in here today, you're going to become a great nation. Listen to this transfer that happens here. You're going to become a great nation, even many nations. Kings will be among your descendants. Verse 12, here's where, it gets, here's where it's for you and I. And I will give you the land that I once gave to Abraham, and then I passed it to Isaac, and now I'm going to give it to Jacob. Yes, I will give it to you and your descendants after, and there'll be kings that are going to come after you. It's important for you to know in here today that you and I have to go to the next level because the next generation is dependent upon us going to the next level. I'll tell you this much. I don't want to not go to the next level and then have my kid have to figure out how to get to the next level. I want to get to the next level, so then my kid already, I want, I want to pay the path so my kid knows, knows how to get there. I don't want to say, hey, son, I didn't make it there, son. I wasn't faithful. I wasn't faithful to the calling, and I wasn't obedient to God, and, and I didn't praise God, and I didn't build an altar when God told me to build an altar uh, trip, and I didn't do what God called me to do. I just kind of barely made it through, and I, you know, when God told me to give, I never, ever give, and God told me to serve, I never, ever serve, but I want you to do that, or, man, I never got the water trip and, and hope. I never, ever got into the word of God. I never talked to God, but I want you guys to do that. I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, man, I never did the things that I told my kids to do, and now my kids got to figure it out. When I leave this earth, I want to have my kids prepared, or when my kids leave my house, Come on, Lord Jesus. I want them prepared to leave. I want to prepare them. I want to go to the next level so my kids can go to the next level. The next, the next generation is dependent upon you going to the next level. And so he says, I'm going to pass it on. If Diane and I can go to the next level, I, think, I believe God can pass it on to, to our next, the next generation. Someone's going to lead this church after us. And maybe it's, it's, maybe it's someone in this room in here today. Maybe it's these two sweet kids are here that can lead this church one day. Or maybe it's my own kids. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's, someone, maybe it's one of your kids. Maybe it's Dustin and Cynthia's kid. I doubt it, but I'm just saying, I'm just kidding. Who, who knows? It, it's going to go to the next generation. It might be Shibs. It's a tall order, but you know what I'm saying? He'll do anything, most things twice. You know what I'm saying? Like, this guy will try anything. I don't know, but I want to go to the next level. So the church goes to the next level, and it's going to be passed on to the next generation. 
I need Stephanie to go. I need Stephanie Yarbrough to go to the next level because Stephanie Yarbrough hangs out with Hope. I need, I want Hope to go to the next level. So it's important that Stephanie Yarbrough goes to the next level because she hangs out with her. It's important to me. It's important for me that you go to the next level. It's important that Brooke goes to the next level because if Brooke goes to the next level, Sophia will go to the next level. It's important. I love what Kayla says. Um, Kayla said this in a few weeks ago in, in a video that she shot for, for volleys. She said that I, someone asked her, why do, you, why do you serve? She goes, I want to serve because I want to teach my kids to serve. If you don't teach your kids to serve, then they're not going to serve. I'm in a Bible study with a group of men down, down the hallway, and I, I realized, and I told the guys this day, like, if we're not going to be godly men, our kids aren't going to be godly men. And what I found out in that room there, there was a lot of guys in that room there that no one ever taught them how to be a godly man. So we're going to the Bible, we're trying to figure out how to be a godly man. We're 30 years old, we're trying to figure out what it means to be godly. And so we can pass it on to the next generation. It's important for us to pass it on to the next generation. The next, le- next, gener- the next level, it's transferable. He says, then God says, God Almighty, be fruitful, multiply. You will become a great nation, even many nations. Kings will be among your descendants, and I will give you the land I once gave to Abraham and Isaac. Yes, I will give it to you and your descendants after. Then God went up from that place where he had spoken to Jacob. Verse 14, Jacob set up a stone pillar to mark the place where God had spoken to him. Then he poured wine over it as an offering to God and anointed the pillar with olive oil. And Jacob named the place Bethel, which means house of God, because God has spoken to them. If you go on further, I don't wanna, I wanna spare you the details, but if you go on further, it talks about the rest of their death. It gets sad the next, the next few verses. My wife always tells me, don't tell them to go and read it for themselves. They're not gonna go read it for themselves. But if you wanna go read it for yourself, you can go read it for yourself. But the people start dying. And I've been asking myself the question, why in the world do they give us all this content? Why do they give us all this information about these people dying and, and going and people dying and people going and dying and people going? Why do they give us all this information? And the reason why they want to give us all this information is simply this. You cannot make it to the next level alone. You cannot make it to the next level alone. Take a look at this video. What I like about Hope and Dream Team, uh, besides the donuts, is uh, getting to be around a lot of people who want to build you up and want to make sure that that you're growing more in, in your walk with Christ, and just seeing everybody on a, on a regular basis and and knowing that like they want to lift you up, and and if you're having a bad day, that they want to to come around you and, and kind of help you through those moments. That is something extremely unique and, and something that I personally treasure very much. My favorite thing about being part of the Hope Dream team is the people that I get to work with every day. So whether it's the huddles before church or being able to welcome a new guest, I absolutely just love being able to connect with different people. I would say the most important thing for us with the Dream Team is, you know, you get so caught up in the day-to-day of work and family that a lot of the times we overlook opportunities to serve um, and, and being followers of Christ that's what he modeled while he was on this earth it was always about serving other people um, so for me the dream team gives me an opportunity not only to look forward to coming to church on Sundays but to be able to serve other people whether that's just a smile or a handshake or being able to pray with someone that um, that's an opportunity that I'm very grateful for and hope and being a part of the dream team provides me that opportunity. So being a part of the hope dream team has really made me feel like um, valuable within the body of Christ. A lot of places you can go and a lot of churches sometimes often like you can go and feel like you've gotten lost in the crowd or just kind of blending in with everybody but one of the things that I've really enjoyed um, being a part of like one of the reasons is because I feel like uh, Hope has 
is doing a great job at making everybody feel like they matter. Um, and being a part of the dream team has kind of like given an outlet for that for that to kind of happen to to be able to meet the people here and um, and to just go through daily life with them and um, and take that as an opportunity to build each other up and um, to edify each other and I think that like for me feeling like I matter and feeling like there's a place that that I belong within the body of Christ has has really kind of changed the game for me so I'm really thankful. The dream team has been I mean paramount in my life over the past year and a half um, you know being having all the things that happen on a day-to-day -day basis in our lives we're busy and being a, a part of this community that is the dream team gives us an opportunity to really focus in on serving you know my family my the, the people that i work with the the members here at hope the community when we get to do serve outreaches so it's kept servanthood on the forefront of my mind going throughout my whole week and how i interact with people um, so it, it's had a huge effect on my life I think I'm better for being a part of the Hope Dream Team because it allows me to really do what God calls us to do and go forth and make disciples and welcome people into the church and whether it's you know giving someone their gift after their first time or holding babies in the nursery or leading a community group, um, I'm able to do God's work not just on Sundays but every day. There's no question I'm better for being a part of the Dream Team here. Um, just being able to interact with my fellow Dream Team members, being able to interact with maybe that family or that young man or woman who's coming to Hope for the first time and, and being able to be one of the first faces they see, um, it's, it's a blessing. Um, I, I truly believe there's no better feeling than what you're able to give another person. And, and Wes and Diana have done an amazing job with the Dream Team and really instilling that in us that we really have an opportunity to show Christ's love. Um, I think one of my favorite things about the Dream Team and Hope is it's the perfect place for imperfect people. Um, and everyone can relate to that. So when people walk through the door, I hope that, and I know that that's what we're giving them is being a part of the Dream Team. Um, I, I can't imagine being anywhere else. This is a perfect place for imperfect people. Love that. Hey, I wanted to show you that video because it, all, the, all of it talks about is people. It's about people. And I was thinking, I was watching these guys' video, I was watching this video this week, and here's the one thing I've learned about, or here's the one thing I think to be true about everyone in that video, is that none of them are coming out of the, the best season of their life. <laughs> They're not like, they just, none of these guys, when they shot this video, none of these guys just walked out of like, they just had the year, of, it hasn't been the year of Jubilee for them. That's a church word for just a celebration. Like, it isn't like, man, this has been like the best year of my life, and the bet, like if they're not singing on the mountaintop, a lot of these guys, I, they, I've, I've, I've been just talking with them and knowing them is that these, some of these guys, they're coming out of the valley. One of the, one of the guys told me, he's like, I feel like I'm still climbing out of it. Last week I told you guys, sometimes you, you, when you get so, it's so dark and you're so alone and so isolated, you're so deep that you think you've been buried, but really you've been planted. One guy, one of the guys said, man, I, God, I'm still in the planting season and like I would really like some harvest. That, I mean, I don't, that's just real talk. It'd be nice to have some, I'd be nice to have some harvest and, I want to encourage you wherever you're at in here today, you're not going to make it to the next level alone. My dad taught me, I wasn't allowed to say the word can't, but I'm pretty sure, guys, after reading the book, the Bible, is that none of these guys made it to the next level alone. So I can't get up here today and tell you, listen, if you don't want to run with people, then you're going to make it, you're going to, you're going to do a good job, you're going to get there. I can, I, can, I can confidently stand before you today, 
God is my witness in his word is that no one makes it to the next level alone. It has, it's never happened before in, in the history of, of mankind. No one's ever made it to the next level alone. It takes a perfect savior. It takes a perfect savior. Not only does it take a perfect savior, it takes some, it takes some people. I, I wrote it on my notes today. I think it's important. Maybe you want to grab this, but everyone needs a coach. The best players in the world needs a coach. The best players in the world need a coach. I was talking to the group of men this weekend. It's crazy when you play football or you play sports, any kind of sport, then you have a, you have a coach. You have the, the head coach. And if you play offense, then you have, a, you have an offensive coordinator. And if you play any other position and you play on, on offense, and if you're a wide receiver, then you have a, you have a wide receiver, you have a wide receiver coach. And not only do you have a wide receiver coach, you have someone that have, that's all over your life all, all week long, and you have a, you have a, um, you have a strength and training, a strength and training coach. I was listening to a, a podcast this weekend, and a lot of these guys they have a, they have a, a on their staff a lot of these programs. There's another, there's another person that's super super important. They have a, they have a, 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 psych, a psychological counselor, a, a coach, an athletic counselor that just all he works on is their mind. Five coaches. And here's what I know, a little bit I know. Following Jesus, you're gonna need some coaches because you don't know what you don't know. You're gonna, you're, you have to have some coaches. I walked out of a study this week and the guy texted me, he's like, hey bro, I need a coach. I don't, have, I don't have a coach. My dad, my dad was an addict. My mom was an addict. My stepdad was an addict. I've never ever had someone coach me in being a, being, being a man, a biblical man, never had that. I need a coach. And I was like, absolutely. Why wouldn't I? The answer is yes. You need a coach. You have to have a coach in your life. And here's the second thing. Everyone needs some teammates. Everyone needs some teammates. Everyone needs some teammates. I was listening to a podcast I sent with this week. And Jimmy Johnson, I don't want you guys to get too, don't read too far into this. I don't want you to think for one moment I like NASCAR. Left turn, left turn, left turn, left turn. I don't. 150 people make up Hendricks Motorsports, the team that he races for. Four guys, one guy behind the wheel. There's 150 guys that you don't see that are always making the car faster, better. There's a pit crew. There's a chief. There's a chief. There's so many people. Like, we, but we just see, for me, if you don't know anything about race car, you're like, man, Jimmy Johnson, man, or, you know, Gordon or whatever, whatever, Martin, old school Martin. Like, whatever you think, like, you're like, oh, that guy, he's just driving on a track round and around and around and around and around and around. And around. That's all he's doing is driving around. But there are so many people that go into that one man driving in circles. <laughs> Just going in circles. Everyone needs some teammates. Everyone needs some teammates in here today. Or you'll never make it to the next level. I, I, was, with the, I was with about 15 guys this weekend. If I mentioned to you guys Michael, the name Michael Jordan, a lot of you guys in here today, most of you guys in here today, you could you could think, and really quick, you could come up with five players that were surrounding him. Real quick. He was a great player. You, you, could, you, would, you, would, you would shut off some names. Tony Kukoc. You would, you would rattle that off. Dennis Rodman. Who doesn't know Dennis Rodman? I mean, no, everybody would say him. <laughs> you would say Dennis Rodman. You would say Scottie Pippen. Bill Cartwright. That's like old school. Like you would name off some people, Horace Grant. Like you would just name off some people that you're like, man, he had some guys around him. That he, had, he had a good supporting cast because even the best in the world, the best in the world need some teammates. 
you need some teammates, guys, friends. This week I walked out of Bible study with a flat tire. All the way to the ground, flat tire. Like not holding air, flat tire. And I was so excited. Because I had to get across town really fast to speak in my daughter's chapel and had to go pick up the baptism that we're gonna we're gonna do a baptism in just a few moments. I had to go pick up, I had so much to do, I had to go all the way out to four to, to Semron and then from Semron out to Winter Springs. And I was so excited about that flat tire. I wasn't really, but you know the best thing that ever happened? I walked, I took my time paying for my bill. I told Ron, I said, Ron, I'm gonna buy your breakfast today. It worked out great because I didn't have my wallet. So I looked at my youth pastor and I'm like, Joel, I don't know if you're gonna get in trouble for swiping your car for 25 bucks. I don't know how, how you guys are on your budget. I said, but hey, you gotta buy my breakfast. I'm gonna owe you. Don't know when I'm gonna pay you back, but just know that I'm gonna owe you. I'm like, I need that. When I walked out there, it looked like Jimmy Johnson's pit crew. Dave Hall, redneck extraordinaire from North Carolina. He had a 3,000 pound jack. He got that thing out of his truck. I, you know, and you guys know me. I mean, I wear skinny jeans. I don't even know how to change a tire. I mean, I do, but I don't. This truck, it, I, had no, I had no lug wrench for the truck. Like, you know you're a man whenever you have, Dave Hall, he has two lug wrenches. Like, that's just when you know you're a man. Only thing that he didn't have was that, that drill. That's the only thing he didn't have, but he had everything. He walked, he made gloves on. Matt was there. Matt's, I'm not going to say you're like me, but you're not like Dave Hall. Matt's like, here's where Matt, here's where Matt fits. And there's me, there's Dave Hall, and there's a middle guy, and it's Matt. Here's Matt's solution. Hey, I'll call Wit. She'll come pick me up. You can borrow my truck. That's my guy. Like, that's, you need people like Dave Hall that can change tire, but you need some middleman. Like, they're like, hey, bro, I'm not getting dirty either, like you, but you can borrow my truck. Like, it's good, you know? And so I'm like, cool, let's go get, I'm like, Matt, let's go get some fix a flat. Knowing very well, I still don't have a wallet. <laughs> Matt, let's go get some fix a flat. And if you know me, you know I'm not prepared. I go get one can of fix a flat. It's a huge old F-250, big old tire. I come back with one can of fix a flat, and Matt looks at me and goes, I just want to let you know I'm your friend. It's not going to work, but I'm your friend, so I'm just going to go with it. So he goes, Wes, I'm going to go get another one. Came back with two. Thank God that for two. I mean, that was an expensive day for you. Because not those fix-a-flat cans, they're not cheap. But here's what I know. If I wouldn't have had all those guys around me, then I wouldn't have. That, that tire, honestly, that truck would probably still be sitting there with a flat tire. That's a, that's a small, small microcosm of the life that I live. But I'm always with people, so I'm never without. I told the guys, this is why you have to have lots of friends. I honestly, guys, I, I'm never without. I can't remember a time in life where I've been out without because I've always had friends. Part of that, probably part of the reason why I've had friends is because I've always been, because my insecurity is getting everybody to like me. And so I've always had people around me because my, my insecurity is to get everybody to like me. That's like my drug of choice. Like, hey, I need you, everybody like me. Everybody like me. Everybody like me. My whole entire I cut up in class. Hey, I need you to like me. I do things I shouldn't do. Get people like, I always want people to like me. And so because of that, I've always wanted people to like me. So I've always worked real hard to get people like, please like me, please like me, please like me. Whatever I can do, whatever I can do to get attention, please like me, please like me. And I've got, so I've always had people around me. Now that I've gotten older, I realize God was preparing me to realize that I've, all those times in my life that I needed people to be around me, now I'm, I'm, I'm returning the favor. I'm, I'm now I'm pouring back into people because the Bible's pretty clear that if I'm gonna go to the next level, I'm gonna have to have some people around me. And you gotta have some people around you, church, because you're gonna have a flat tire you're gonna need a meal. You're gonna need a meal one day if you live life long enough. More so than that, there's, there's gonna be a day in your life where you're gonna have a major crisis. 
Bible says, what are you going to do? Ecclesiastes, what do you do? Uh, Duke, somebody got married last, last weekend. And the pastor's scripture I read at their wedding was Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. If, if, you, what are you going to do? If you have no one around you, what do you do when you fall? And there's no one there to pick you up. You lay there. And you, and you die. What do you do when, you, when something good happens? Who, if you got one with you, who, who's going to celebrate with you? Who's going to celebrate with you? Who's going to be there to cry? I remember a friend of mine a year ago called me and said, I need some help. We sat, on the, we sat outside of Panera. We cried for two hours outside of Panera from 10 to noon, 10 to, 10 to 12. It's a late night. Mosquitoes were biting us. Who, who are you going to call when you go through crisis? If you, don't have, if you don't have anybody you're rolling with. What are you going to do if you don't have a, a Stephanie Yarborough in your life? You're going to need it. Val and I had breakfast this week. I'm better for it. I don't know if he was better for it, but I'm for sure better for it. What are you going to do when, when, when all hell breaks loose if you don't got some people around you? You got to start believing in people again, church. And that's not for everybody. That's just for some people. You got to start believing in people again. You can go further with people in your life. If you want to go far, go with people. If you want to go fast, go alone. But you'll never get as far as the next guy.